All right, Zam, after many hours of hard work behind the scenes, without telling anybody what we're doing, we're finally here for uh, our first official episode. It's episode one, our first official guest coming up. Pretty exciting. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming. We've put in a lot of hard work and uh, really excited to share this uh, with uh, our friends and family and, and people around the world. Okay, so uh, without further ado, let's get into episode one of Unanchored with Nabil Kareem. All right, welcome to Unanchored Episode 1. I'm Shahid Devji. Zam Karim is here with me. And like I said, it's the first official episode and we've been we've been waiting a long time to share this one because our good friend Nabil Karim is our first guest and we're going to have a conversation with him a bit uh, later on in the show. But first, if you haven't heard our intro episode, Episode 0, where it was just me and Zam talking, introducing ourselves and, and what Unanchored is... Let's do that a little bit here, Zam. Um, we're excited to, to actually get going here because, um, like I said, we, we've been working quite hard uh, over the last several weeks and months to, to to get some really cool interviews and conversations recorded. And, and, and I'll say that right up front, that you know, some of them will be pre-recorded by a matter of weeks and some of them will be pre-recorded by only a matter of a couple days. Uh, I thought we would try and dupe our audience, Zam, and so I, I put... Uh, <laughs> I put my my blue shirt on the, what I was wearing when we when we talked to Nabil, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but then I realized during the time of COVID nineteen, which we're stuck in, the biggest thing that we cannot control is our haircuts. Oh, for sure. And my hair, uh, I think I just got my quarantine shave done prior to that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I looked at the video and I realized we're not duping anyone because you had a shaved head. And I, I have no idea what shirt I was wearing, so we can't. I can't. I can't recreate that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's been, it's been a, a number of weeks since we, we did talk to Nabil, but, but no, the world hasn't really changed in that period of time. So everything pretty much still stands. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that has changed since we, we talked to him is that, um, his, his job, his work kind of changed. He's still at ESPN. He's still at the mothership of, uh, you know, sports reporting and sports broadcasting, but, um, you soon after we we recorded the conversation with him, um, ESPN launched a new show called The Replay on uh, on this new app called Quibi, which is uh, an app for your phone uh, and and other other things that focuses on on short form content, so like six to ten minute episodes of of video focused content. And there's like there's sports shows like Nabil hosts, but um, and it's kind of an entertainment show as well. But there's also like your typical thing that you would find on Netflix, like a comedy or a drama or whatever. So, um, you know, that has changed. Yeah, it, it's a it's a new platform hoping to capitalize on on people's short attention spans and uh, just looking for quick hits of content and and that Nabil's still doing that. But I believe he's also doing uh, uh, SportsCenter as well. And uh, but there's a lot there's not a lot of sports to cover not these a lot of days, but they're doing a good job. And, and you know what? What helps all sports broadcasters these days is um, the Last Dance, the documentary on Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, um, not Jackson. Whenever I'm talking to Sheba, my wife at home, I'm always saying, "Hey, I'm just going to watch that Michael Jackson documentary." But uh, it's something. It's subliminal. I want a Michael Jackson uh, documentary because uh, that's my 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 kind of thing. Not in the in the the negative pedophilic way, but. Um, Let's let's talk about something else. Have you watched much of that uh, Michael Jordan documentary? 
I'm uh, two episodes behind, but uh, it's it's been really interesting and and it's really cool to look back on the last thirty years of NBA basketball. Look at the the, the first three uh, uh, championships that, that the the Bulls won, the ones that I've mostly seen, and then and now looking now looking forward to the the, the last three that they won ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. And it's uh, so spoiler alert! <laughs> I was gonna say I, I really enjoyed as much as you can enjoy the the uh, the episode on um you know the the passing of and, and the mm-hmm. murder of uh michael jordan's dad mm-hmm. um but i didn't think it might be a spoiler but really this is documented history it's yeah. not a, not a spoiler right but really cool like you're saying to see the 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 history at least the modern history of of the nba from the perspective of the best player and the best team uh, of the last wait, whatever you said 30 years right and it's interesting it's been really interesting to see and lakers they, fans we understand that there's a challenge there exactly and then early on the the rival stands in the celtics in, in the late 80s early 90s and uh how dennis rodman goes from being a being a, a piston winning those those championships with them and then going to the bulls for those final three like it's pretty cool to to, to look back on and and then hear from hear from the horse's mouth and in michael jordan himself and and all those characters from from those teams from what essentially 84 until uh, 1998 when that team was disbanded yep yeah it's too bad that um we we did talk to nabil prior to that uh, documentary coming out because I'm, I'm sure he would have had some some cool uh, anecdotes and insights into that but uh, that's for nabil karim part two uh, when we when we get him back on the show, uh, maybe one of our anniversary shows, we can we can get him back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, prior to getting to Nabil, we we just wanted to quickly talk about what to expect on Unanchored. If you haven't heard that introduction uh, podcast and episode, go back and listen to it if you'd like. But if you don't want to, you know, a, a quick primer here: Zam and I are quote unquote failed broadcasters. You know, have some experience in the in the broadcasting industry, both in radio and television. And we, we'd been missing um, a regular broadcast, a regular responsibility, regular communication, you know, using our voices and faces in this case for whoever's watching on video, um, talking uh, to, to the world. And, and, you know, we think we're interesting, but we're probably not interesting enough for you to tune in on a regular basis on your own uh, just for us. So we're, we're going to be talking to some interesting people. Um, you know, we, we have Nabil on. He's a good friend and, and we... Uh, as you'll hear, we, we started our journeys together uh, trying to become sports broadcasters specifically. But, you know, we've got some other people on who we don't even know um, and who also have really interesting stories. And, um, you know, from my perspective, you know, what I'm looking to do is talk to people who I can be inspired by, but who also uh, I can relate to um, and others can relate to due to their stories. And and even if Nabil, for example, is a sports anchor, uh, which not not a lot of people can relate to his his the the journey that he took to get there and some of the lessons that he learned along the way uh, certainly are are universal lessons and and that that's what I'm hoping to bring out of our conversations and share with the world. Yeah, and and we're getting a chance to to share some really interesting stories and continue our passion for storytelling as we did as journalists and and broadcasters and uh, continue yeah sharing things that we find interesting in the world and and things that that we believe that that other people will find interesting in the world as well and and this conversation uh is is one of those uh, as well and um it, it w- it'll be fun to to share that and and i know a lot of people are excited to, to ha- have been excited to to see this based off of uh what we've shown already through our social media so far 
So no, Bill Karim, he's our first guest and you know, we'll, we'll get to that conversation in a, in a couple minutes here, but just a little bit of history about how we all know each other. Cause it, we, we do kind of talk about it a little bit uh, as if, you know, people know the history between us, but uh, Nabil and I met uh, when I still lived in Nanaimo, British Columbia. I was a, I was a teen. I was dating his his cousin secretly, and and uh, I can say that now because we're both married to different people and have our own kids, and and our parents aren't going to get mad at us for for that. But um, um, I'm sure he knew of that at the time, and you know he came in uh, for his one and only visit, I think, during my time there, and was this macho um, macho guy a few years older than me, and. Uh, challenged me to an arm wrestle and I was super freaked out about it thinking he was trying to intimidate me but um, after that I didn't really come into contact with him until I was uh, in my first couple years of university at at Simon Fraser University in, in Burnaby BC which is where Nabil is from and and which is where he was going to university as well and you know we bonded over our our, our cultural similarities uh, we, we practiced the same faith we're Ismaili Muslims and um, we volunteered on the Ismaili Students Association um, and then really bonded when we threw this hockey night in Canada event uh, in a, in a SFU classroom or theater um, auditorium, and and uh, him and I pretended to be a Don Cherry and and uh, Ron McLean, and and that's really when things took off. Uh, I found and um, and then we started this show, the Press Box, because we both had this common interest in in uh, becoming sports broadcasters and um, started a sports podcast. And, and really from there, we, we bonded over this common interest of, of trying to get uh, to the top of the sports broadcasting ranks. One of us succeeded and, and another uh, not, not quite, but what, what's your history with, with Nabil Zam? Uh, well, it's in, mostly through you initially. And, and uh, he was, a, he's a really cool guy and, and, and a fun person to hang out with. And, and, I'd say Nabil and I became better friends when I moved to Toronto in 2011. Um, he was already there and, and, and didn't live too far away from where I was living and, and we would connect. And uh, I remember being at Dave and Buster's um, just north of the city with my friends and then run, ran into uh, Nabil and uh, his wife Nusrin and uh, a few of their friends. And then we ended up what turned into my friends going home at uh, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I remember hanging out in the bill and going back to the, to his place, for, uh, like to keep the party going until like two or three in the morning. Yeah. And the bill has always been known as uh, someone that, that, that enjoys himself. And, and I, and I love that about him and, and uh, I, I, I can't quite enjoy myself as, as much as he does, but uh, <laughs> yeah, read between good, the lines. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we we have a good time and, and I love hanging out with them. I remember uh, Super Bowl parties at, at his, uh, his old house in, in Toronto or Mississauga. And, and, and just, he, he's been someone that I've also relied on as a, as a mentor and someone who has helped me uh, get jobs in the broadcast industry. One of which was at that after our previously mentioned uh, uh, new station in Prince George, BC uh, where, where I, he got his start and I uh, got my second job in the industry and, and has really helped me. Help, he really helped me uh, get through some hard times, and 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 really helped me focus and and get over the hump when there were times where I probably wanted to to quit the industry and tr- go try something else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One thing that uh, everyone who knows Nabil uh, knows him as is fun, as you've mentioned. Another thing is is a really really good friend, someone you can count on. 
Um, and, and, and then for the purposes of, of our conversation here, for those who don't know him, um, super talented. And you had a, a little anecdote you wanted to share uh, about what Jay Onright uh, usually calls Nabil when he has the chance. Jay Onright yeah, being so- one of the, uh, the, the top broadcasters in sports broadcasters in, in Canada. Uh, Jay Onright on uh, the Jay and Dan podcast has said several on several occasions that uh, he that Nabil was underutilized and under uh, his talent was so much more at TSN and TSN didn't use him properly and, and said that on several occasions and and it really uh, his showcase his talent is now being showcased at uh, ESPN and and uh, he's really being able to 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 sort of. Uh, let his wings sort of fly a little bit uh, more than he was given that opportunity to before. All right. So without further ado, let's formally introduce Nabil. Nabil Karim is a sports broadcaster, a family man, and most importantly to us, a really good friend. He started his career in broadcasting in the small town of Prince George, British Columbia as a news reporter of all things. But some would argue it was a little known podcast called The Press Box that kicked it all off several years prior. But I digress. A sports fan at heart, Nabil was always intent on making it as a sports broadcaster and soon after starting his career, began his ascent up the Canadian sports broadcasting ranks. After stops at Fox Soccer Channel in Winnipeg, he ended up in the big smoke as an online host for CBC Sports in Toronto, where he covered hockey and the FIFA World Cup. From there, Nabil made the jump to one of Canada's premier sports networks, TSN, and quickly became a household staple on the anchor desk. But Nabil's journey is not without its challenges. After years at TSN and experiences only others could dream of, what began as a passion and what drove him unexpectedly morphed into something less. That's when he decided to bet on himself once again and parlayed his experience and talent into one of the most coveted jobs in sports as an anchor at ESPN, the mother of all sports networks. So Zam and I are proud to welcome the first guest of Unanchored, our friend Nabil Karim. All right, Nabil, after all this time, we're back podcasting together. Yeah. This 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 feels yeah. weird, but it feels oddly comfortable and familiar. How are you doing? I'm good, man. And you're right. Like, this is where it all started, right? We, we had that idea coming up uh, in the industry together. Like, how can we get some experience? And, and you came, to, I still remember you came to me and you're like, okay, let's do this and call a podcast. I'm like, what? Yeah, imagine we, that. I, we want, yeah, yeah, I know, because you wanted to do like radio and stuff like that. And I remember I was at like university radio and it was terrible. And you came to you came to me with this idea about a podcast. And when you explained it to me, it was basically like a radio uh, show that we could put on a, a website. Um, and that was like the launch of, of all the hard work and, and kind of the journey. Cause hey, listen, man, I'm gonna give you all the credit in the world because you were way it had nothing to do with me you were way ahead of your time uh, with that podcast. It was nobody's podcast. I don't think anybody really knew what a podcast was besides a few tech guys like you. But uh, man, you're right. This is kind of nostalgic. Yeah, it was definitely an underground thing that was still upcoming. And and, and you had to to do a lot of tech stuff to get it up and running, which we'll get into a little bit here. But yeah. uh, bef- before we do, you're, you're down south, uh, as, as many of our, our listeners, if we have any listeners by this point, you're the first guest, right? So I, it, it fits quite well for you to be the first yeah. guest on this show because my first ever podcast and our first ever podcast was together. So, so that's pretty cool. And I appreciate you coming on. How are things down south? You're where are you? you're at ESPN, obviously, but where do you live? Yep. What, what city are you in? So I, ESPN is based in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, I'm living in a place called Avon, 
which is about 30 minutes from Bristol, uh, a small town, uh, but it's great. It's like a little, it's a great uh, family area. Um, and it's been great, like nice school areas, like as far as school districts are concerned, which was a big thing for me. It was, you know, safety, school districts. My son's um, turning five, so he's in pre-K this year. He's going to kindergarten next year. Um, so it's been great. You know what? Like the transition's been awesome. We're lucky. We um, The house we ended up buying um, wasn't our first choice, but it ended up being the best choice because the neighbors we have here are amazing. Uh, amazing and it and it, it's kind of like it's almost like like a tv show in a sense when we first moved here because everyone was so friendly the first week we moved in like it was constant people knocking on your door coming by with like baked goods or bottle of wine or whatever it was um and just came to say hello and introduce themselves and um the neighbor who lives right behind me uh has become a really good friend i, I let him know when i'm out of town he watches over the house and uh, you know, he'll come over. He was over Saturday night hanging out. And that's not something I really did uh, too much of in Toronto when I lived there for, you know, 10 years or even Vancouver, really, to be honest. Um, so that that whole situation has been great. The the home situation uh, and work wise, it's, it's been great, man. I, you know, it's um, it's going to be one year, May 1st, which is kind of mind blocking, to be honest. Yeah, that that uh, feels like just yesterday you made the decision. So it, yeah. it sounds like it's it's feeling like home at this point. Yeah. And you know what? The transition was crazy. It was like, listen, I moved cities before, right? I've done this before. I've moved around um, within a country, um, but moving country, like uh, moving to a different country, that that's a whole different ballgame. And I was lucky because ESPN uh, is owned by Disney and Disney has this thing called their relocation team and they assign her, you know, an advisor to, to our case and take care of everything. But at the same time, there's so much paperwork to go along with it. Um, there's the stress of what you have to do with your own stuff in Toronto or wherever you're coming from, your origin, uh, you know, just shipping cars, things like that. Like my car didn't pass a U.S. safety standard because it didn't have a tire pressure monitoring system on it. So I had to sell my car in Toronto, uh, which was a pain in the ass because I just bought the car a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago. So just little things like that. Um and then Nasri, my wife, she was pregnant at the time, uh, six and a half, seven months pregnant at the time when I decided I was going to leave and, and when I was leaving. And so, you know, for us, it was like, do we come here and have the baby here so we're all together right away? Or do we have the baby in Toronto? And we decided Toronto because, you know, she's already comfortable with the doctors. We know the health system there. Um, and that was difficult, you know, that transition because I left April 30th and they stayed back. They didn't come till, uh, Hannah was born June 2nd. They didn't come till like late July. So that was a lot of time to be away from your kid. And you guys, you know, Shad, you have kids and I was, yeah, you don't have kids, but, um, you know, it's, it's easy to connect with that anyways. It's tough to be away from them. Right. And so I go back and forth and man, I'm telling you, every time I had to say bye to Adam, it was so difficult. It, 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 it was a challenge, I think, at one point. But then when I got back to uh, ESPN, I loved the work. Uh, and I, I think that's what really got me through everything. It wasn't a situation. I was going in blind, basically, because this is a whole new ballgame here. Um, you know, it was a leap of faith, in a sense. Um, but again, I love the work. It's been great. It's been challenging. Um, and I think in that sense, it's the best move I've ever made. Honestly, I think life-wise we're still adjusting, uh, you know, not having many friends here and stuff and, and still having to, you know, Nestor's not working right now. So, you know, when she starts working, she, you know, she'll get her own set of friends and so forth. And, 
I think that'll make things a little bit easier. Uh, you know, but uh, besides that, not having our family around us, I think is, is been a transition, but overall, I think we look at it. We came in with an open mind and uh, you know, we've had a great time so far. Yeah. Zam, you, uh, you definitely know what it's like moving around. We all, who, whoever's worked in the broadcast industry in Canada or mm-hmm. elsewhere, we, we know what it's like moving around, but I certainly haven't experienced the, uh, the, the need to, to do that cross country and then to leave your family, especially with, with little kids. So I can't imagine what that's like. I, I struggle going to work every day and leaving the kids at home or, or staying yeah. late at work and not, not seeing bedtime. So, um, I, I can't imagine, but it sounds like uh, things have, have certainly, um, settled down and, and the family life is, is looking good. So um, that's glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that. So, uh, Nabil, like, I, I know I've done it where I've done moves on my own, uh, going yeah. from we, like you got started in Prince George. I ended up in Prince George shortly. Uh, and then doing a, a cross border move. You did this one to the States. I, I did early on in my career to, to the middle East. That's right. It's a completely different beast doing it with a family. Like you said, Shahid, I can't imagine doing it with, with thinking about more than one other person. Uh, but the, the, the logistics of it must have been, well, as you say, are, are, are so huge. Um, do you think it makes it more rewarding to have like a team, a family behind you to, to be able to do, do a big move like that with? I think so. And, and I think it keeps me uh, more focused, too, to be honest, because I know there's a lot riding on the move. So, um, you know, I, I basically ripped everybody out of their uh, their situations, you know, with Adam and his friend. I mean, he's, he's four, but he has a, he has a set of friends. You know, he knows his community, you know, our smiley community and, and uh, you know, his his Montessori friends or whatever it was. And, um, you know, I took him away from that. And, and you know, that affected him for sure a little bit, um, you know, with my wife, with Nasreen, you know, all our friends are there. Our families are my sister's there, um, you know, who she's really close with, too. And, and so. It, it was hard. It, it was hard in a sense, but also for me, it kept me more focused on the task at hand. So when I went to work or when I do go to work, um, I, I think my mentality is a little bit different here. I'm, I'm uber competitive and really, really, it's almost like starting all over again in a sense. You know, when you, when you guys first got those first jobs, you're really focused and you want to do everything you can um, and, and do as much as you can. That, that's kind of my mentality here right now. Um, which is nice because at this point of your career, sometimes you can kind of just, oh, I made it, you know, just kind of do the bare minimum to, to get around. But that, that doesn't work around here. Like everyone here is the best of the best. And um, I know and I make decisions uh, based upon, um, you know, knowing that we sacrificed a lot to move here. Who knows? I, I mean, I think, again, like you said, Zam, it's a little bit easier when you're on your own uh, and you can move around a bit um it's a little easier but i think just i guess having a bit of for me it's pressure a little more weight on my shoulders knowing that you know we we have sacrificed a lot it's a great opportunity and i think um you know it was the right decision to make but um i I think having those guys with me help me uh i say those guys my family with me help me uh (laughs) but also keeps me keeps me really focused knowing that i have a goal in mind right okay so we've We've talked about where you've landed, and I want to talk about um, sort of more about what you're doing and where you might go after this. Um, and and what you referenced there was your mentality. I want to talk about your Mamba mentality because I have for a long time 
um, seeing you as someone who has this really, as you mentioned, competitive mentality, similar to, you know, what we've heard Kobe Bryant talk about a lot. But before we do that, I want to go back to the beginning a little bit and, um, and, and talk about the fact that your big break in sports broadcasting was that little known podcast called the press box. It was you and I with, with some budget gear from radio shack, no idea what we're doing, the best intentions and, and the biggest goals. Tell me a little bit what you remember about that. Um, sort of why, why you, why you decided that that was a good idea for you. Um, and, and sort of, uh, how it might've led to, to how your journey started. Well, I'm really glad that first of all, I connected with you, uh, on this, right. I think we, we knew each other before that. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I've we... never fully admitted this publicly, yeah. but I, I, I dated your cousin. Um, and that's yeah, how we that's met. Right. That's right. <laughs> that's how we but met. But we didn't really know, we didn't really know each other at that point. Right? No, that definitely was just not. Like, you were just a dude I was uh, scared of cause you were a lot bigger than me and um, yeah. definitely <laughs> made it, made it known that you were trying to intimidate me in the, the only time yeah. that we did meet. So yeah, that's pretty much yeah. how we knew each other. Yeah. But no, but like, it, it was great that I think when we did really connect, it was over broadcasting because I don't think you know, if, if I didn't have you around and I didn't have somebody who's just as motivated as I was, um, maybe that I would have got to where I got because I think you need that push, right? Especially because I talk about this all the time now when, when people ask, like, if you remember, you go back at that time, there weren't many people who looked like us who were on TV, right? There was like Farhan, maybe, you know, there's a few other people in the industry, especially in sports. Um, in news, there were a few, you could sprinkle a few, but I, I think it was important to have that motivation. I think when I, when I decided I was going to do this, um, everything kind of changed for me. Like I, I finally had a passion because for a long time, I would say from like grade 10 to like second year university, I was just kind of coasting. Right. And, um, I finally got that passion. And so when we were doing this kind of stuff, you know, we do it at your house, um, and we're figuring it out. And, and for some people it could have been boring. It could have been like, ah, oh, screw this, man, it's not working. Well, we kept trying to make it work because both of us were super passionate about doing this. Uh, you were a couple years younger than me, so you were behind me, right? But uh, as far as schooling is concerned, but um, I think it was really important to have you and your support because um, I, I think we needed that. We both needed that, right? Um, but I, I don't know. I look back and I, I had a lot of fun doing it, right? Like we thought we were kind of joking around. Our biggest concern at the time was like getting a headset, right? <laughs> like we were trying yeah. to get a headset and the mic splitter and... Um, yeah, and then I, we, I we had remember. to line up the audio because we were recording on separate right. computers with separate headsets, right. and I couldn't do it perfectly. And you ended up sounding like you had a lisp on a few of the episodes, and yeah, I remember you not right. being too happy about that. But um, we we just had to do the best we could because, you know, I, like I was saying before we started recording here, I've got the studio set up in my home office now. I can plug it plug in like ten mics and call you via yeah. FaceTime or whatever, and record it with literally just by sitting down and pressing a button. Um, it wasn't that easy back then, but we somehow made it happen. Oh, dude. I mean, your setup's changed a little bit since <laughs> yeah, since we did our podcast. But um, Although Zam still had yeah. some trouble getting on this Zoom call with us. Oh, don't even start me on Zam. Oh, don't even start me. Like, this was ridiculous. His, his, ridiculous. Like, yeah, sitting there I'm in his lake house, right? You no. Know. I'm at the lake house, and I get a text at like, what, what was it? 345, no, it was, 445? No, it was 4, 4, yeah, 435, 445. 435. We're starting now. Like Three hours early. Yeah, so it's well, all good. I, uh, good thing I, uh, good thing I'm able to, to get on board. But yeah, well, you're in quarantine. We'll talk a little bit about that. You've yeah. got nowhere to be right good, now. Good, good, no, thing, no. good thing you have nothing to do. You have nothing to do. 
absolutely you be, nothing to you do. You should be ready 24 <laughs> seven. Uh, yeah. I was going to say uh, at the beginning, I, 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 Feel like you distinctly remember during my time working at Future Shop, getting mics for getting headsets for the podcast. Yeah, it might it might have been you. I can't remember, yeah. but if you remember, well, yeah, that. And then if I also remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you guys did the the BCIT sports broadcasting class with Perry Solkowski and Shane Foxman. Right, we did that before think, the podcast, I think. Yeah, and I did yes. that class. You guys did that January 2005. I did that class September. Oh four, uh, so one semester ahead of you guys. Did uh, we do that together? The the, the class. I, uh, Me and I you did, and, not Zam. Yeah, I wasn't in the class with you guys. I was yeah. with uh, yeah with some other people. I, I think only a couple of them um, ended up going through the industry, but uh, it, it was a good starting point point for a lot of people and kind of yeah. yeah a place where where guys like Perry and 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 Shane are. First of all, both brutally honest. Second of all, are uh, are are good mentors to to, to kind of help you get started in the industry. Dude, Shane Shane was huge for me. Like when I was at BCIT, and, and it was oh, crazy. Yeah. Just because I did that class, that course, he knew who I was, and I was interning at CBC um, in my first semester during Christmas. I did I think three internships with him. I ended up doing so much, and he would let me go to Canucks. Um, uh, Canucks games or practices and get into scrums and, and stuff like that. I don't know if it was because he was lazy or just <laughs> wanted to give me an opportunity, <laughs> but uh, he was great, man. I, I had a great time with Shane and, and learned a lot from him. And, uh, he's a super talented dude. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to go out on, on a limb here and say I'm assuming you are always into sports. I, I know you were an athlete growing up, and uh, I don't know what kind of athlete you were, but I, I know you were an athlete. Damn, not, uh, and, not good enough. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, you wouldn't be sitting where you were. You'd be on the court yeah. or something, right? But uh, I'm assuming you were always into sports. But like, what made you decide to pursue sports broadcasting? I, I remember you telling me at, at some point along the line that you know you were considering going into law, like your sister did, and your dad's yeah. a businessman. And and, and so, what, what was it around that same time of the podcast that you decided to pursue this, and why? Because like you said, there, you know, there weren't th- many people we could yeah. look to and there wasn't really uh, a path that was laid out for us to take. Yeah, I mean, I think I go back to like when I was a kid, I was, you know, you go like grade five. I was, dude, I, w- I was out of shape. I was really out of shape. I was like 140 pounds in grade five. I was heavy. And uh, my my pediatrician, I'll never forget this guy, Dr. Wishart, put me on a diet. And he said, you got to start being more active and start playing more sports. And, and again, that's not to like body shame anybody or anything like that. It's just, I was unhealthy. And so, um, you know, I, I started playing a lot more sports. It was way more active. And from there, it just became like a passion. And then, I mean, back in the day, you didn't have the internet. So you had, you know, you check your scores on, on like the newspaper, right? And you don't even get like the West Coast game sometimes. So from there, I was used to read the papers all the time. And the sports just kind of became a passion and passion. And then started playing basketball. And and I just loved it. That's all I loved was sports. And so I think you fast forward to like grade 10-ish. Uh, I had this grade 10 business class. And I was kind of thinking about, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Because we had to bring in a mentor. And that's the time Farhan Lalji just joined TSM. And Farhan was coaching at Burnaby Central. I went to Moscow, which was at close schools. Um, and I got him to come to our class to speak to our class about what he does. And when he was talking about being a sports reporter, like, this is the coolest thing in the world, right? And we grew up watching sports page, um, you know, sports net, I would say Pacific, I guess I think it was called at the time. 
Don Taylor was my favorite guy. And I was just always like, man, this guy's having so much fun doing what he's doing. And, and like, I can do this. And then it got to a point, I think, when, you know, push comes to shove, like, you know, you're doing your uh, your finals and stuff in grade 12 and you're, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do. And it just was unrealistic, honestly. Like, there weren't many jobs when you looked it up, um, you know, and from the little research that I did at the time. Um, and then visibility-wise, there's nobody, right? And so, I don't know, like in our community, we, we do things well. We do, you know, we're good at um, law. We're good at business. We're good at, you know, being doctors and accountants and, and trades and all sorts of things. But like broadcasting just wasn't one of the things, you know, in our in our wheelhouse. I was almost like afraid to talk to my parents about it. I was afraid, I should say. And so I just kind of gave it up and I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just do what my sister's doing because it was easy enough. I could get her stuff from, uh, you know, what she was doing the first year. Um, and yes, I did criminology for two years before I finally decided. And I was like, screw this, man. I'm like, I'm just not. I liked it. Didn't love it. And still my mind was like into sports and, and how could I work in sports? And finally it just came to a point where I started doing like these informational interviews, right? Where I was like emailing, calling people, cold calling them and just people I thought were successful in the industry. And it, like, how did you get to where you got to? Right. Um, and if I couldn't get hold of them there, I would read people's bios and just all nerdy stuff like that. But I came up with a little plan, like a five-year plan. And I was like, okay, if I, if I go to broadcast school, I was always going to finish university because I always wanted that, you know, in the back of my, uh, the back of my belt there. But like, if after I went to broadcast school, how long would it take me to become successful? And I gave myself five years. Um, if I wasn't in the national market in five years, I would go to law school. And then that's when I talked to my parents about it. And then that's when we started doing kind of the podcast and stuff like that. That's when I geared myself. So when we were doing the podcast, I already knew I wanted to get into this stuff. It wasn't just like a passion project or whatever. Um, that's when I was trying to build up for my resume for BCIT, actually, um, because I just didn't have any experience at all. Right. So I, I think it was just a, I had to have that conversation with myself and I did it. And then it was a conversation with your parents and I mean, let's, uh, let's be real. They weren't too, <laughs> they weren't too thrilled about it, but you know, they, they've kind of become my, my biggest supporter since then. And um, I think what, what really helped me in that situation when I had that conversation was they had all these questions and I had some of the answers because I had talked to all these people who are successful. Um, and so they kind of realized that, Hey, this guy's actually passionate about it. Like he's actually done his homework seems like he knows you know what he wants to do let's at least let him follow it and then kind of go from there right yeah sounds like a a really similar story you know whether it's sports broadcasting or pursuing music or or whatever it is that's not one of those tried and tested immigrant uh paths to success so um yeah that's that's interesting but you certainly uh, were a part of this um group of of uh you know immigrant Ismaili Muslim broadcasters in, in Canada, not that you're an immigrant, but your parents, um, uh, and, and you've kind of blazed that trail and, and I assume it's been important to you to, to also take those calls since then to, to, uh, to allow others to, to follow in your, your footsteps. Uh, because I, I see you doing that a lot, even doing a podcast like this, right? It's, you don't need to do that. I saw you on Instagram live yesterday, um, doing, you know, a chat with somebody else. So you don't need to do these things, but I'm assuming that's one of the reasons why you do do them because you got that help as you came up. hundred percent. I mean, like, and I enjoy doing these. For, I mean, obviously we're friends, so it's a different situation, but, um, uh, for other people, what I, my thing is that if somebody takes the time to email me, 
get my contact information, you know, DM me or whatever it is, um, I'm going to respond to them. Um, and especially when it comes to like broadcast questions, uh, far too many times I've been on my phone number <laughs> to people um, to, to call me. But like, I, I feel like, hey, listen, I was in that position at one point and there were a lot of people who did not help me. You know, uh, people didn't respond to me. Um, and if it's funny, it comes full circle. Trust me, it comes full circle because now some of those people are the ones asking me for help. Uh, you know, people have been in the industry for a while now, um, which is kind of funny, but it's the way life works. But for me, you know, I had people like Omar Sichadina was helping me quite a bit. Um, you know, when I was coming up, he was a mentor. Uh, there were other mentors that I had. And I think the thing that's key here too, when you're paying it forward, it's not just the smileys that I help out. I'll help out anybody. It, it does not matter, you know, who it is, because again, I think we all need, um, to help each other as, as a society as a whole. Um, that's what makes the world a better place. You know, kind of, you know, you can do your small part. Right. Um, and so I think that is really important to just, just give whatever feedback, whatever kind of advice, whatever help you can, uh, if you can, if you're in that position, because I would hope that those people that I've helped, uh, or, you know, at least reached out to, will do the same for the next person. Right. And, uh, that's on them. But, um, I would think that uh, that would kind of continue and the line continues and you continue to pay it forward. Right. You know, you know, it's funny, uh, despite me kind of leaving the industry officially like three, four years ago as well. I, I do get people ask for advice and, and I, and I definitely try to do my best to, to, to pay it forward as much as possible. And, and, and like it's a we the three of us know uniquely how hard it is not only to get into the industry but to to sustain yourselves in this industry um but it really comes down to i don't it, i don't everyone has a different path but it 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 all comes down to just being being willing to to offer not just advice but even just talking to someone yeah. like hearing them out and hearing their ideas, hearing what they want to do. Cause we know this industry, like it, it chews people up and spits them out all the time. Right. But it's so much fun. Like I, I spent the last two years broadcasting in uh, just for like McGill hockey for the last couple of years. And I would, I would have done that even if they didn't pay me, that was so much fun. It was like, it was like doing the SFU. Don't hockey tell them that. <laughs> well, I'm not Don't working for them that. anymore. They won't, so they won't pay yeah. you. I'll tell you that. Exactly. No, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I for sure am not paying you for this podcast. That's that's exactly. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's this is out of pure joy for for, for me and for for us. But uh, yeah, it, I think it comes down to what you're willing to to. I don't. I think what you're willing to do for free is the worst thing because yeah, I think we, we do a lot of stuff for free. Yeah, it's interesting. Wait, I, but- I I keep coming to back to podcasting too, just because I love it because it's fun, right? I'm not getting paid for it. But you guys both like have a lot of experience at the same time right and it's great that people are reaching out to you too because um i think you guys both have valuable experience you guys have done things in this industry you know big things in this industry um you know at various points of your career so people should reach out to you and and i hope you guys would you know like you are paying it forward also because um you know we all have different paths and we all have different uh struggles uh different motivations you know i've talked to people who it almost frustrates me sometimes when, when, you know, I'll say, Hey, do it this way, do it that way. Um, and some people are not wired to sit. That's okay. Right. Um, but when they're kind of closer to me and I really want to see them succeed and I don't see them putting the work in, I, 
I don't care if you do it a different way. You do whatever you want. You're just asking you for my advice. This is my advice. What frustrates me is when people don't work hard. Um, and, I, and they come back to me and they're like, man, I can't get anything. Like, it's, like, it's three months now. And, and I'm like, well, let me see your demo. And the demo is the exact same demo we had three months ago. <laughs> we talked about updating it. Zam, you should be laughing because you were one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was frustrating yeah. because I was like, what are you doing? Um, and and that's that's the only time that I kind of get frustrated is when I'm like, okay, this person's not putting in the work. Then, I mean, Zam, you're a different case again because you're a friend, so I'm going to keep harping on you. But like yeah. um, for other people who reach out to me, uh, I'm more, I've had conversations, I've had, develop friendships but at least relationships with people who i don't even know but they'll keep coming back to me and sending me stuff and i'll always you know give them feedback and i remember who they are now Mm -hmm. um but then there are other people who are just i'm just looking i'm like sorry man i can't i can't help you anymore because i just i don't see the the work ethic and well here's an example of that and you know a lot of people if they don't know you might think you're you're just providing lip service if they know you you're it's not lip service because you put in the work um but i believe i've got my timing right when you know you went up to prince george to work as a news reporter to start your your career um yeah i i, I think your your contract ran out you came back down to to vancouver and the first thing you did was call me up and you said hey i need to make a a new demo well, guess what? You had just been working for what a year, a year and a half. You had an, uh, a news demo that you could send out there, but you wanted some some fresh experience with with sports reporting. So we went out to a Whitecaps game. We shot a, a couple of stories and standups, uh, and so now you had a fresh news demo. Uh, you had a fresh sports demo, and you were sending that out for your next job. And you ended up uh, getting a job at I think Fox Sports or Soccer Channel in in, in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. You went out to CBC Sports, to TSN. You put in your time to earn your next shot, just like you're talking about. Where do you think that comes from? Like, why is that part of your DNA? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think it goes back to like passion and and it goes back to like when I made the decision to want to pursue this. Man, I'm telling you, there's so many people who are like, people who are close to you, some who weren't, and, and just the reaction you would get when you said, oh, I'm going to broadcast, what's broadcasting? Like, what are you talking about? You want to be on TV? Um, and, you know, it hurt. I'm not going to lie. It hurt from some of the people you thought were, you know, your good friends or, um, you know, circle, community, you know, so forth. Um, and so that was always an internal motivation was to prove people wrong, which is not super healthy, I guess. But, like, at the same time, that's what kind of got me through at times because, man, there were times at Prince George I just wanted to leave. Zam, you probably, I don't know if you felt the same way, but um, you worked hard there. And I look back on that now. It was a great experience. I got to make a lot of mistakes there, but they worked really hard. And then even when I got to Winnipeg, the job that I thought I was getting, I didn't really get. I was doing more editing. And once in a while, I'd be anchoring, which is not even, wasn't even in the job description. And you need reps. It was a whole whole thing. And so there were times where I'd look and I was really hard on myself. I was always so hard on myself. And so I kind of reflect back to that five-year plan. I reflect back to like the sacrifices I've made. I've left my friends, um, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, all this stuff, my family. Um, and so stick it out, stick it out. Uh, again, you think about, again, the internal motivation of people laughing at you, almost mocking you in a way. Um, and then you just want to do it for yourself. 
right? There's just some things you just want to do for it. You want to prove it to yourself. You can do it. You've made this decision. Um, you know, now you have to follow through with it. So it's kind of just one of those things, a combination. And then I think that just kind of drives the hard work. Like I remember in Winnipeg, uh, I just did not like my situation. I didn't like my work environment, didn't like my situation. And um, luckily I met, uh, you know, through our community, uh, through Mosque and Kane, uh, I met these Ismaili, uh, these Ismailis who were all in university and used to hang out with them. But for the for the first two months, I didn't know anybody there because they, they all were living in Calgary at the time. But I would basically go in at night. So after midnight, I think the last show ended at midnight. And I would go in at about 1230 on my days off. Um, and I would go in because no one would be there anymore. And I would go uh, edit my my demo tape because you know we had the beta tapes and, and stuff you couldn't do it on your on your computer so i used to go do that for like an hour hour and a half and it's not like i'm really good at it and it's not like it's like a computer it's super fast and so you have to scroll through tape do this do that and then i would continue to network throughout my time there so i spent eight and a half months in prince george and about nine in in winnipeg but throughout that time like after the first two months i was always networking because I wanted to get out of there. You know, you just wanted to make that next move. And um, I think I look back at that, like I worked so much harder than, than I actually do now. Uh, but it's important, I guess, to have that foundation. But again, it's, I think it's all the internal motivation of like a, a combination of things. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember Nabil, I remember you telling me uh, to get the heck out of Prince Rupert where I was working uh, when that job came open in Prince George, you knew the guy that was working there before me. And it's like, get your get your tape together, get it, get it into the news director there, and and figure out a way. Just figure out a way. And yeah, because, so, no, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, and you and you, I, you really helped me like push myself to probably take a step a, a step ahead of where I probably was in my career. Uh, yeah. That I may have not been ready for at the beginning and and probably it took a while for me to kind of get get my footing there and you talk about mistakes i i literally made the maximum amount of mistakes that you're allowed to make in a in a job until i no longer had the job right you you've done a good job at maintaining those connections and maintaining uh like good good rapport with with the people that you have have worked with in the past and uh does that stuff come to you later on in life? Like, like now all these many years later, or are those relationships or things that you put, you put behind you? I think it's important to never, you know, burn a bridge or times I could have said some things, but um, you know, I don't think it's worth it. And so it's important. Like I, yeah, I look at CBC, I look at, uh, you know, TSN, those are important contacts to have. And, you know, you make this, you make this push to ESPN. When I did that, I had no idea how it's going to turn out. This was like a leap of faith that, you know, I would be ready. We talk about being ready. Like imagine to making that jump. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, you want to, you know, uh, stay in contact with these people that make decisions, uh, you know, leave on the right note. And I think I did that, which was good. Um, but as far as going back to Prince George and I think Winnipeg, not as much, but there are people that, you know, meant a lot to me or, really went out of their way to help me out i still you know i definitely connect with for sure and by the way the, the one thing that re really gets me too is when people say i'm not ready because i'll just look at my own experience like i was never ready for any of the jobs i got I mean, you're just never going to be ready and we have a common friend who also worked in the industry now works in toronto 
And, and he would always tell me the same thing. And I remember that. And I'm always like, dude, you got to put yourself in that position to succeed, right? So you get there. Most likely, if you're moving up, you got better resources around you. Uh, you'll have better people working around you, most likely, um, you know, and, and, and then it's up to you too, right? You have to step up. But when you have that, it's just like in sports, right? You play on a higher level. You're playing with better players around you. And, and then it's time for you to step up. So it, I think it's important. I mean, you don't want to shoot your shot too high and put yourself in a really bad spot. But I think, you know, I, I, when people say they're not ready and it, 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 I just got to get comfortable. No, don't ever get comfortable. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's kind of the, the, the progress that you need to make in, in kind of the mentality you need to have sometimes in this industry. Okay, so let's talk about then that uh, that leap of faith that you're referring to. Uh, you made that leap of faith from TSN to ESPN, the mothership of all sports uh, broadcasting networks, obviously crossing the border like you talked about. Why did you make that leap of faith? Uh, what kind of led you to doing that? Um, and then the sort of second part of that question is like sort of what did you leave behind? What what do you you miss about the Canadian network? Um, you know, TSN being for a long time, the mothership of, uh, of Canadian sports networks. So, um, you know, that leap of faith was, was a big one that you made. Why did you make it? Uh, and, and then what do you miss about, about the Canadian jobs? I'll be a hundred percent honest. The reason I, I left was because I wanted to do more. Um, and I just didn't see those opportunities and I was just getting frustrated. And, and listen, like the Canadian industry, the broadcasting industry is shrinking. There's, there's no doubt about it. Just like the American industry is shrinking a little bit too, but there's just way more possibilities. And ESPN was never on my radar, not till two years ago. I, like I never even thought about it. And like when we talk about, you know, your five year plan and so I just wanted to get to like a Toronto or Vancouver. Like that was a big market for me. Um, and to be on a national stage, you know, since CBC and then to TSN, like that was a dream. That was it, right? Um, and I thought, okay, let me just work my way up on TSN. And it was great. Like I had a great run there of like, I think it was eight years, eight and a half years, but I could see myself. I knew I could do more. I honestly knew I could do more. And at one point it was just getting really frustrating, um, not being able to have those opportunities and a whole host of reasons. Um, and then for me personally, I was just, like I said, being frustrated. I was like, I, I gotta clear my mind. And what I did was no joke, like how we started out, you know, right from day one, I redid my demo and I sent it to a network executive, not ESPN, it's a different network, uh, in the States, just, just sent it to them cold and just introduced myself. And I said, hey, listen, I just kind of want some feedback. Like if you have some time, give me some feedback, I would love it. That's it. And this network executive was a VP of talent, uh, said, hey, your stuff's great. Stuff's great. Like we're not hiring. And again, I wasn't asking to be hired. It was just to get some feedback and she gave me some feedback. And I was like, man, if this person thinks, you know, I got talent, like she didn't even have to email me back. She could have just, because usually in the States, you got to, got to go through an agent. Um, I was like, okay. And that just restarted everything. Uh, and that was about two years ago, roughly. And well, then, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it sounds I, like you got yeah. that same advice from from someone you didn't know that you were giving that common friend that we were talking about, uh, about like, don't get comfortable, believe in yourself, yeah. kind of just put yourself yeah. out there, right? And you maybe lost lost that uh, part of your journey until you, you kind of got restarted again. I, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. And it's funny because I would still get a lot of people, just constant people just messaging me and I would give them all this advice and I'm not 
taking my own advice, you know? And so, um, and I came to that realization. I was like, listen, I'm telling people to go take chances and to, um, you know, continue to kind of pursue and, and not get comfortable, like you mentioned, and I'm getting comfortable. Uh, and I think that kind of led to some frustration. And when I got that feedback, I'm telling you, man, it was instant. I was like, okay, let's go. And so then that's when I started thinking, okay, what can I do? What are the other opportunities? And that's when I talked, I had to talk with, uh, with my wife and I'm like, Hey, what if this was a possibility? Um, and she's like, Hey, we'll, we'll do it. And so once she said, we'd do it again, just redid my demo again. I, there's a, I have to do it very quietly. <laughs> there's a video guy at TSN that I bought a couple of nice bottles of whiskey for. <laughs> uh, and, and you hook me up, uh, cause it's hard to find all this, you know, inventory of, of, of uh, tape. Yep. And then I went home and that's, I think I do remember, I, I had actually asked you how to, to work, um, uh, what's it on Mac? Uh, not Final Cup, but uh, iMovie. iMovie. Yeah. I was like, I, you came to my house in Vancouver. I don't know if you remember that. You came to my house in Vancouver and you gave me a refresher on how to work iMovie. Yeah. And uh, that's what I did. And I, I honestly, I, I would sit for like, it took me a week and I'd be there like nine hours just sitting and cutting. I was so bad at it. My scooter's slow and going through so much footage. Um, and then I finally cut something that I liked. And then I go to work at night too, by the way. So it was kind of like all, all over again. My second job was to find a job kind of thing, which was kind of always my mentality at the beginning uh, of my career. Long story short, I, I sent it to an agent who, uh, you know, really liked me, came back and met him. Uh, you know, they're a small agency, but um, it's kind of tricky too, because I had an agent in Canada, which was absolutely useless uh, and you don't need one. If anyone's ever watching it and wanting to know you don't need one in Canada um, in the States you do. And then from there, that's kind of where it took off. And, and then, you know, I had an audition at one network uh, came close to getting that job and I'm glad I didn't get it, but that, uh, that just doing that kind of showed me again and re reinforced that, listen, I belong in this kind of playing field that I know. Cause there's, there's like a, I don't know if you guys agree, but there's like a, a thought that American broadcasters are just much better than Canadian broadcasters. I don't know. Would you guys agree? Or maybe, know, but, but uh, the best, exactly. Sam, you're, the yeah, best you're, broadcasters you're, in the U S right now are Canadian. Exactly. You look at Ali Belshi at, uh, at MSNBC. You look at Adnan Burke, who was at ESPN, who's now at DAZN and, uh, MLB network. There's wasn't so many Peter Canadians Jennings Canadian or is Peter that Jennings is Canadian? Yeah. Or yeah, he was, um, uh, there's lots. There's so many good, so many good ones. So yeah, to your point, Nubble, that, that that's a myth. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I don't think it's true. Um, I guess at the highest level, again, there's just so much more exposure here in the states, right? Uh, and it's almost to the at the highest levels, almost celebrity like, right? Uh, here in the states, when you're at a certain level, um, and so it's just that was kind of the mentality. But when I went for that first audition. And I was a finalist. It was me, me or whoever that else they hired. Um, I knew, okay, this is amazing. Uh, and then I went for another audition. And uh, actually, I went for I came I went to ESPN about a year and a half ago. Um, and sorry, two. Now you're out. A year before I got hired, and uh, they told me they were very clear with me. They're like, listen, uh, we don't have a job for you. Uh, we just want to see what you look like on set, and we want to put you with an audition. So I was like, all right, great. Went down there super nervous knowing that like man this is my one shot 
<laughs> my one shot. Like I never in my life would have thought I'd be at ESPN. So uh, the photo that I posted when I said I'm leaving TSN, that actually that photo was from my audition actually, uh, because I wanted to take a photo and show Adam one day that I actually had an opportunity to go there for an audition just in case it didn't work out. Um, and you know, honestly, I just kept in touch with the the VP there over time and and you know you just send me some more stuff i want to see some more i want to see more of this this and that and i just kept doing that and then you know a few months later it kind of started to roll and you could tell that they needed somebody to come in and it kind of went from there i mean the fact that you took that photo the first time you were over there speaks to the fact that that passion was still there for you and and yeah. following that path and trying to go go to espn was 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 the right decision for you right yeah, and I just go back to like the little thing, like cutting that demo. Like, I, that was a lot of work, especially for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. And it was frustrating, and the tracks, and the, I don't know what I'm doing. And so, spending that week of just, I'm telling you, mind-numbing time uh, because I'm slow. Uh, it, it, but it, it was okay. Like, I wasn't frustrated. I was happy to do it. Uh, I was excited to do it. Then I go to work, stay up late, come back and work. And that's when I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, go to sleep kind of thing. Right. Uh, but I would, I would keep, keep on working on it cause I wanted it to be really, really good. So I could show this agent and, and kind of, you know, get to get the best possible review. Um, but yeah, it, it, again, hearing from that one VP two some odd years ago was the best thing that happened. And it just really got me going again and reignited that passion again, because I knew I could do more. And then again, it's taking a leap of faith, right? Because I felt like I was, Doing pretty well at TSN, um, but ESPN's a whole different ball game, and it is. And coming here the first three weeks, I, I just shadowed because they're like, "Listen, we have so many more resources uh, that you might not know of that you probably didn't have at your disposal here." And they do things differently; their systems are different. And um, I, I think for me, it was just like, "Okay, let's go and let's um, just try to adapt right away." But but the best advice I got from my guy from Scott Van Pelt. And, and I got similar advice from other people. Scott sat me down. He said, listen, be yourself. He goes, you're on the roster. You're on this team. So just be yourself. They hired you for a reason. And that's pretty cool advice coming from Scott. So, well, you know what? I did that. That's great advice. I've noticed that. And sorry to interrupt you. But, you know, sure. early when we were talking about those Whitecaps demos, when you came back from Prince George, and I might have got my yeah. timing wrong, but I think that's when it was. You, you, you were you were trying to show your personality and a lot of that, that stuff. And, and I've noticed more than ever that some of the stuff you're sharing on Instagram, uh, that you're doing at ESPN has a lot more of your personality in it. And it's been a while since you've been able to do that because, you know, outside of Jay and Dan at TSN, that's just, it's just not the place to do that. Right. It was a situation where, man, I just felt like we should, we should be able to show more personality. That's on me too. Right. And finding and picking my spots. Um, and I just felt like American TV, especially when they do like um, panels and stuff, which is what I really want to do is work with analysts and doing all that kind of stuff. And when I was doing March Madness with like Sam Mitchell and Jack Armstrong, they understand it and they really like having fun. And yeah, you're a host by by it. by nature, right? That's what you are. You're a host. Here, the big the big thing was, especially when I when I got to ESPN, was like show your personality, and and even for our demos, uh, it's funny. I would I would do a lot of stuff with Craig Button. Uh, and Craig's amazing. He understands it. He wants to have fun and a personality. And it's hard to do that sometimes on sports. And it's hard to do with hockey, by the way. Um, people, Canadians take hockey very seriously. You went from 
covering hockey in the States and now doing a lot of hockey or in Canada now doing a lot of hockey in the States. Well, when there was hockey uh, with Barry Melrose, like that, that's got to be a completely different ball game and, and uh, a show that probably has completely different resources than what you would have had at TSN as well. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like the way hockey is covered in Canada is what we do like still tenfold here in the States for football, for basketball, for college sports. The NHL is, I mean, it's, it's underneath those sports. That's for sure. Um, but I think with the, with the resources we have for the show, we do on an increase. We do every, you're going to get every highlight every night. Um, so it's for the hardcore hockey fan. It's on ESPN plus. And, and when we have Barry in there, it's awesome. Because Barry, again, he's just, he's so much fun. You've been super gracious with your time. And I want to shift gears here a little bit before we, uh, we end up, you know, you've, you've talked about it a couple times throughout this conversation. You've referenced being in a smiley Muslim uh, and you've, you've, to me, you've always been open and proud about that, at least in the last 10, 15 years that we've known each other. Is that something that you've, you've chosen to do, or do you, does that come naturally to you? And I ask specifically because you uh, emceed this event, uh, you know, a little while ago, I, I think it was the opening of the, the Smiley Center Toronto or the Aga Khan Museum, something like that. Aga Khan Park. Aga Khan Park, right. And yeah. and after that, um, you know, His Highness the Aga Khan was in, in, in the building there. You're the MC with him in the room. That's a big moment for people of our faith. Uh, you said it was one of your proudest moments, but um, you, you've also, you know, spoken out about being a Muslim on social media and, and elsewhere. And I, and I just wonder... Um, like I said, if, if that's something that's hard for you to do, uh, knowing what potential, you know, fallout there may be, or, or if you're proud to do that. I think for me, like when I speak about it, it's, it's, it's usually when it's regarding like a celebration or a big moment in our, in our community. I'm proud about it. You know, like, uh, you know, Navros, Kushali, all these sorts of things. Um, the park opening, any, anytime we have something in our community that's helping, the larger community, I, I'm always going to be happy to talk about it. Um, and, and again, I, I guess it's just for me being proud, um, you know, as far as like religion and politics and, and getting deep into that, I've never really done that. It's not really my thing. Um, but I think for us, for me, sending a, a Shali Mubarak message, I, I think it's important, you know, it's, and it's not, it's not something I like, I have to do so I can get likes or retweet. No, it's none of that. It's just because I know I have a lot of Ismaili followers, right? Um, and I just want to get, just get the message out because I think it's, you know, it's important and it's, uh, it's important to be out there in the public that, you know, this is the day we're celebrating. Um, you know, funny thing about the park, I, I, I was thinking back on this quite a bit recently cause I had to do this, uh, session in Atlanta and we were talking about my story or whatever. And the park was the most, one of the proudest moments, maybe the most proudest moment, uh, for me, but it was also like the scariest and hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, the pressure I felt going into that was incredible. And believe it or not, Jeff O'Neill, former hockey player at TSN, me, me and him were really close. And, uh, you know, I was talking to him about it and he's not a religious guy. He doesn't know much about our community, but he was like walking. I was mentally fried because I was really, really nervous. I, a, I didn't know how I was going to react when you're, you know, 10 feet from, from the Imam, from the Ag Khan. Um, and, uh, B it just being live stream across the world. Um, and the, the content that's there, it's not, I'm not reading highlights. I'm not joking around. Uh, there's no personality base. You're reading, you know, 
stuff that's very serious, uh, stuff that's written. I have a hard time reading. I'm not glad you sometimes <laughs> I have a hard time reading. So uh, it was stuff that at first I didn't even I had to audition for it. I almost didn't do it. I ended up doing it, said yes. And it was about a week of just complete stress. I didn't tell anybody uh, besides my parents and Nasreen's parents and, and that kind of thing, but, and my sister. Uh, but I, Jeff was the guy who actually helped me out a lot. And he actually had me talk to one of his friends that he used to talk to when he was playing uh, just to get in the right mindset. And that's no joke. Uh, and I was, that's how like fried I was and, and nervous. And um, it was when I was able to do that and it went well. Um, I think things change for me mentally too, even for work, because I was like, if I can do this. And I think, again, it was the most pressure I've ever put on myself uh, for an event. Um, then I can do a lot more things. And I think that's kind of what kind of triggered some of the, the feelings of like wanting to do more again. Um, but I think that's, and it's also something I refer back to when I came to ESPN, because I thought about that too. That's probably the toughest thing I've ever had to do, even though I've, done broadcasts in front of you know hundreds of thousands of people or even a million or whatever it is um so just our community and being lucky enough to do that is one thing and then i think it's been beneficial in my career too um as a side note only kind of realizing that recently but uh yeah i i almost took that as a job which sounds weird right but i wasn't in there for like a religious experience i was there to mc for this park opening and i think that's the way i was able to separate my feelings and knowing okay this is why i'm here um so that's kind of the way i took it so i could get my head straight anyways and and speaking of tough situations and and also religion and politics as much as you you don't necessarily want to 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 dip your toe in that realm. Sometimes that kind of stuff follows you around. And, and I guess I'm speaking specifically about one of your experiences when you were at TSN, when, when you and Gurdip Aluwalia, also a Brown dude, were anchoring sports center together and, and then faced some pretty terrible comments online, maybe not directly, but certainly directly, but not only directly. And, and some of the comments were, you know, directed to the network for putting two Brown guys together. And, um, you know, maybe take us through what happened there and how that affected you and how you moved forward after that and in either dealing with, with stress and, and feedback and, and criticism. Yeah. And I think the, the thing we got to remember about that time is like, I think we have now um, the, the online uh, mentality and how to take things online has changed. You know, that was back, I think 2013 um and the way we read twitter the way we were affected by twitter and social media back then is kind of different than now like i think now when people are getting ripped up it's a little i don't want to say easier but i think we understand it a little bit better this is what twitter is this is kind of the negative space it can be but back then i think it was still on the rise i don't know if there was instagram back then i can't remember but um it was tough man like uh, again, like I told you, I was really hard on myself already. And when I got to TSN, I just wanted to fit in, which I think was the wrong mentality to have. I should have just tried to be myself, but I was just trying to fit in. Uh, I told Gurdip this was going to happen. It's funny. I predicted it before the show because I was already getting it all the time. Um, and then when me and Gurdip went on the next morning, it's, you know, trending on sports, uh, sports centers trending on in Canada. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like I, it was frustrating. Uh, it was disheartening. And I always, you know, I was thinking to myself, is this how it's always going to be? Like, I'm always going to be the Brown guy at Sports Center. Edgar Deep at the time was at CP24, so just filling in once in a while. He joined us a little later on, but um, it was it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, like I've worked so hard. I finally got to this dream job. And now 
I can't read a hockey highlight or I can't read a certain highlight or whatever it is because of the color of my skin, you know, which is ridiculous. So, um, you know, I would say in the last three, four years, completely died out. I, I get the rare ones here and there. I haven't got anything in the States, um, which is like nothing. I don't search, I never Google myself, never like look up my name, but like people have like actually directed it at me, you know, uh, nothing. So that's been great. Um, but I think, yeah, now the understanding is different. Like I was kind of ready for it in the last few years. You know, if, if it came to me, I kind of, the understanding is a little different that don't take it so personally. It's Twitter. And we talked about this. Remember back in the day, like for every person that loves you, two people are going to kind of, kind of hate you. It's just that when people do hate you, <laughs> it kind of hurts. Right. Uh, but yeah, silent honestly, majority, I'm, loud minority, right? Totally, man. And so now it's like when people hate me, I'm just like, whatever, man, like, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't check my Twitter mentions that much, uh, as much, I should say, as I used to. Um, and I'm more comfortable with myself. You know, I'm, I'm more comfortable. I'd say in the last three, four years kind of thing, I'm like just way more comfortable with who I am when I am on air. And, and so, um, you know, I don't care as much. And, and sometimes when people come at you and, and they don't like you or they found a mistake or whatever it is, you know, Twitter police, I'll acknowledge it. I like even ignore, Hey, you were right. Like I made a mistake on this fact or whatever it is. Right. But I think it's just the racial, the racial profiling, that sort of stuff. I don't think it's ever going to end. Um, and, and no uh, one can really like, be ready for that. Right. Yeah. It was, it was such a weird spot. And like TSN had to put out like this PR release and we had to go on radio. And again, like I, I didn't want to be like a victim or anything like that. I just wanted to do my job at the time and just fit in and, um, you know, luckily it kind of went away. And, and part of that again, too, and this is not to make an excuse for the people who were, who were the trolls is that I've noticed that when there is change, um, you know, people have a hard time with change, especially on TV. Like we all have people we love watching on TV, people we probably don't like watching on TV. Um, and at that time for so long, sports center had been like the same set of anchors. Remember at that time it was just TSN one and two, I think, or TSN, TSN two. Um, and so then I was just the new guy. Um, and that didn't really sit well with too many people. And when I filled in with Jay and Dan, that was the worst because people wanted Jay and they wanted Dan and I was not either of them. Um, and so I would usually get killed on that <laughs> night too. But yeah, uh, filling in for Jay and Dan uh, is worse than racism. <laughs> dude, it's brutal. And it's like, I'm doing Dan a favor. He wanted the night off and I'm doing him a favor. And then I just get absolutely destroyed. So, um, Hey, it's part of the journey. Um, uh, but I'm glad I didn't like quit or, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't let it get to me any further than it already did because, um, like I said, you work so hard to get what you get. And then all of a sudden it's, you're letting people who never, I've never had anyone come up to me in person and be like, Hey man, you're this, that, and that, you know, you're Osama, you know, whatever, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's usually always positive things. So whatever. yeah, the, I mean, the internet's a weird yourself. place. For sure. Hey, Zam, I'm going to I'm gonna switch yeah. gears to talking about uh, being a dad. So if you want to jump in with anything here, feel free. Otherwise, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. Carry it on. I don't know anything about being a parent or yeah. having a family. So yeah, I'm so just, we'll let this sorry, be a no lesson. Being a kid, that's for sure. I am still a child, so <laughs> yeah, I know how to do that. So uh, me and Adam have a lot in common in that regard, as do Zane and Aiden. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so <laughs> let's let's talk about being a dad. And, and you've, you've mentioned your kids. Uh, Adam and Hannah and and the most important thing I've noticed here is that your son is a Leafs fan and being from Vancouver is that something you've encouraged or you have to live with how would you characterize that no I mean the thing is like 
Listen, for me, when when I left, when I started working at CBC, um, and you kind of working on a national network, like I said, people like in Canada, it's crazy. Like people are insane. Like they, and I love it. Like the passion for hockey is unbelievable. And then you get to Toronto, and everyone's like, oh, it's it's the what Toronto Sports Network and all this sort of stuff. I didn't care as much anymore. And I kind of lost my Canuck fandom. I was a Canuck fan growing up, you know, diehard Canuck fan growing up. But I lost my fandom for the industry because I didn't want to be known as a Canucks fan. Um, and uh, I, I think when Adam was born, I was already far removed from it that um, I was just like, he's born in Toronto. <laughs> like, I don't know what, he's born in Toronto. Austin Matthews by chance came out and, uh, you know, drafted by the Leafs. And it was a great time to be a Leafs fan as far as, you know, a player of his stature coming in and that's his guy he loves austin matthews he wears that jersey he's got three of them now and you know what i i can't blame him like i i lived in toronto or southwestern ontario for a year and uh maybe it wasn't even a great time to be a leafs fan they made him might might have made the playoffs i can't even remember but even me living in kitchener and having all the the leafs games on tv every day like the canucks games here i just found myself gravitating towards them too because the it's just the center of the universe it's true man there's there's a different feeling about toronto and and there's so many people that are on the same bandwagon and it was yeah. just you know it was it was easy to get on that bandwagon so i was watching every leafs game as i was watching every canucks game so i don't i don't blame adam i might blame you a little bit but uh <laughs> but but you'll have to deal with that he doesn't have to deal with that but but you know the, the funny thing is like listen i want the leafs to do well so adam's happy um, and, uh, you can talk to my wife. She's actually a Leafs fan. That, that's a whole different story. Yeah, okay. Um, that you can talk to her about, but, um, I'm happy when the Leafs win only for Adam's sake. And then I'm also happy when the Canucks are doing well this year. Like I, I know it's Wait. situation is what it is right now in the world, but actually fighting for that spot, the wildcard spot. It's been amazing. I'm like, you know, awesome. Like I hope they get, they go deep in the playoffs and, and they do some things. I think it's what they've done this year. They've been one of the best stories in the NHL. So. You can you can like both cities. I, I know people from Vancouver hate Toronto. Toronto doesn't care about Vancouver, and it's a whole thing. I had somebody the other day call me a traitor because yeah. I, I love. <laughs> well, call me saying, a traitor what? too, because I'm in that same camp. Like I, I love Vancouver, but when I lived in Toronto and and visited Toronto when I was in Kitchener, uh, I I fell in love with Toronto, and I assume yeah. you know you probably have a fond spot <laughs> in your heart for for Toronto as well, and I know Zam probably does too. I mean, I called Toronto home. Toronto's home for me. Um, and it's just because my roots have been there the last 10 years and that's, you know, the last 10 years has been, you know, big 10 years of my life. Right. Um, uh, Vancouver will always be special and they're different. They're just different. Right. Um, but it is funny, man. I'm telling you, it is funny. Some people just get so offended and I'm like, I just don't understand the hate. They're two different places, two different types of uh, characters. If you want to say, you know, the markets of people, um, I just think both places have a lot to offer and they're two amazing cities so why can't you like both i don't know yeah why can't we all be friends okay let's let's before we let you go let's talk about sports first of all what what do you what do you think of what's going on right now in the sports world is so unprecedented and obviously it takes a a backseat to what's going on in the world right now with this coronavirus but how have you experienced those sports world shutting down it's crazy, man. I mean, um, I mean, my industry is based on those sports leagues functioning, right? So uh, it has been a weird situation. I think it's surreal what's going around and around the world right now. Um, I was working the night the NBA shut down. So SVP was on air. You broke the news. And then we, the show right after. And I mean, just, just going through it, 
we did two hours just on the fly of just talking about the NBA shutting down and talking to different people, Woj and Rachel Nichols and all these of them, you know, Tim Legger. It just didn't feel real. And then the next day when everything went down, um, you're like, wow, is this, this, real, this is going to be a time where like our kids and kids, our grandkids, I should say, are going to be studying this. You know what I mean? Like this is going down at a, at a time where uh, this is going to be part of history now. And so um, I hope things come back. Sports is secondary. I hope things in the world get better first, obviously. Um, and we can trigger and, and, and kill this thing and uh, get back to normal to some degree. Whatever um, normal looks like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? It's a different world now. Right. But like, I think sports is secondary in that sense. I think when sports comes back to whatever degree it comes back, I think hopefully it brings some joy in people's lives. That's, that's kind of all I, I would say at this point. Right. Because yeah. I think we need an outlet. Right. And sports usually kind of brings communities together from not only from a, from this being your, your livelihood being sports, but how do you occupy your time? Like, kids them <laughs> there yeah there's that disconnect yeah i got no problem with that. I got no problem i got kids my son's turning five in two months and my daughter's turning one in two months so it's actually nice for my wife because we're we're home a lot um uh together uh so i can help her you know tag team because we don't have any help here um but it's been nice in, in a sense if you're going to take anything from this you get to t- you get to spend some time with your family, right? And and I've always been lucky because I work usually at nights. I'm spending time during the day, but Adam now goes to pre K during the day, so I don't see him. Um, and so this has been great. We spend a lot of time together, and um, great's not the right word, but you know, like you're taking <laughs> yeah. something from it. Um, it. You get to spend that time, so I, I think you cherish that time you have um, and make the most of it. But again, like as far as like not having any like having too much time probably not i mean i'm watching a couple more movies here or there that i probably would but yeah and doing more podcasts too um yeah as far as being a sports broadcaster and a sports fan i you know i, I would assume and correct me if i'm wrong that being a sports fan doesn't go away you still perk up when you know these you know historic things happen uh, whether it's in hockey or other sports what what catches your eye? What gets you going as a sports fan these days? You know, you talked about, you know, maybe not being a, a Canucks fan anymore, but I'm, I'm sure there are, are, uh, you know, things that you, you still react to as a sports fan. Like what, what are you looking forward to usually in the sporting world? Basketball is my favorite sport. Uh, I love hockey, but basketball is my favorite sport. And, um, the cool, the coolest thing was it kind of sucked, but it was, also really cool in a way like when i came to espn that's when the raptors were making their run and i did so many raptors broadcasts over the years and then finally this past year i didn't really do any um and this was the year they had Kawhi. this was the year they made the run and to be able to be here at espn and see the way they covered it here the way they covered basketball here uh was amazing uh and the cool thing here and it's a it's a different mentality because again at tsn it was more like not just tsn i think in canada generally you know, you, you don't really show your fandom for hockey. Most of our hockey broadcasters do not tell you who, who their teams are or if they have a team anymore, right? They just want a good score, a good game, which is fine. Here, they're like, be a fan, man. If you're a fan of the Raptors, tell us. Tell the people, right? Like, within reason, obviously, but, like, you can be a fan. Like, that's the reason you're here is because you're a fan of sports. Um, so I got to see it through that lens 
and you know my on cams were all kind of about being a fan to be honest and and kind of toronto inside you know scoops and and stuff like that and so it was neat to see it in that sense and then i did get a chance to go to game five of the nba finals spent more on the uh, ticket that i ever spent in my life it's but uh i did buy no hookups though hey no hookups at that time. Uh, I'm not a big time, so I didn't get a hookup. But I did get a hookup, and then I got a face value. Um, and uh, it, it was a life – I took it as a life experience that who knows if this will ever happen again. Um, and that's the coolest thing I've ever been to in my life. Like with three minutes, when Kawhi hit those back-to-back threes and we thought we are now going to win the game, uh, I had never been in anything like that. Like the emotion in the building, people almost crying. Um, and then for them to lose on that that last play, which was ridiculous and – um it was it was pretty surreal but i look back on it and just so the raptors for me that championship run was something really special greatest moment uh during that that run what was the greatest moment for you was that there or something else during that whole the shot run? yeah the, the shot. shot it's got to be the Kawhi shot right yeah I, w- I was in my hotel i lived in a hotel for almost what may june july almost three and a half months um and i was in my hotel watching that game and i'm not gonna lie i got really emotional when Kawhi hit that shot uh no one to high five nothing it was just like literally in my room um and when he hit that shot I was like oh my god these guys might have a chance like that's one of those moments like this doesn't happen just for anybody right like this could be it could be some fate here involved and I'm not, I'm not saying that I thought they were gonna win the championship but um that was just incredible like to, to see that happen and then for me again I think when they won it was just so like zoned in and it's just amazing. But I think for me, again, going back to game five, three minutes ago, that was again, another moment for me when Kawhi hit that second of the back to back, I was like, they're going to win the championship tonight. I already told my wife I'm sleeping downtown. Uh, I went with, <laughs> I went with our friends, uh, Sammy Barmall and, and he was in town and um, I'm staying at his place in downtown. I had the free pass, you know, like everything was great. All set up to, to happen. And uh, well, it didn't. So. Yeah. Didn't happen. That kind of reminds me of the, the 2011 Stanley Cup final and me watching in my basement alone in Kitchener and and just going crazy uh, only for them to actually you know lose in the end. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, those those are crazy experiences. I was, I was at and I was at the 2011 Stanley Cup final. I was in there. I was in there for the four Canucks games. Got came yeah. down for CBC, right? Right. Um, and that's kind of when I knew I lost my fandom was when they lost in Game Seven. I kind of was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it hurt, but I was like not like how I would have reacted maybe a year before, maybe two years before. Yeah. That's the silver lining of my failed sports broadcasting career is that I'm still fully in it as a Canucks fan and it, it hurts. Good for you. <laughs> no, good for you though, man. That's the way, I mean, that's, and that's one thing I wish I kind of had kept. Um, yeah, it's but, tough. You know, I made that choice. So, so best moment so far during your career as a sports broadcaster, is it, is it what you just outlined or is there something else that, that stands out as well? Um, I go back to like the 2010 FIFA World Cup where yeah. I was thrown in this position where I was way underqualified to be doing this thing. Um, that was in Brazil, right? It, uh, no, that was in South, South Africa. Africa. That's right. Yeah, yeah. But I was doing the I was doing the post game show, and I was I was supposed to be on an internet show. That's what they had signed me up for. Like some internet show. No problem. Who's who's watching? Whatever. Then it was like some show they were going to put on Bold. I don't remember that channel. Bold. Yeah, special oh, yeah. channel. I'm like, nobody has this thing, not a problem. And then it was like literally three days before, I'm not even kidding you. They're like, hey, we're going to put you on the main network. Dude, I, I've never done a panel like that in my life. I never hosted anything in my life. And so besides like uh, Hockey Night Online, which I had done for 
you know, a month and a half, two months at that point. Um, so it was, uh, it was a sink or swim kind of moment. There were some tough ones. There were some good ones, but it, I, that was when I kind of learned, Hey, I kind of like doing this panel thing. Um, and also being able to know that I could survive that moment was a big one for me. Um, what else? I guess broadcasting wise, there's some cool ones at TSN, um, being at, I went to Brazil for the 2014 World Cup, which was cool. Uh, did the 2012 Euros. I spent the full 31 days traveling back and yeah, forth. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. But I'd probably go back to just now, like recency bias, like ESPN. Just you know, my first broadcast at ESPN. Now, just just getting it done, man. It was a morning show, and um, you know, you're in at like I think four in the morning or something. Three, three four. I think it was done four for a seven o'clock show, and. Uh, three hour show and you just again your just emotions are like like you're nervous and you want to get right and it's a yeah. big deal right yeah it's i can't blame you because... i mean like we said it's the it's the pinnacle it's it's the the mothership of of sports yeah. broadcasting a lot of history like you're talking about a lot of history in that building yeah. and um you know it built certainly the the sports you know landscape in north america and, and potentially around the world yeah and so again put tons of pressure on myself there for a reason and then there it's also morning I'm not a morning guy i've never done morning shows like i haven't done it for years um and it went well you know what i mean for for what it was it went well and, and that was kind of the start of i would leave the building feeling good about myself and um i think those are positive <laughs> that's a positive reinforcement you kind of need once in a while right to, to know okay i could have done better here but overall i felt really good and so i think you know being able to conquer some of those shows early on was gotta be the pinnacle i guess of my career well we've kept you for for more than an hour and 15 minutes here i'm gonna let you go here and you, you haven't even no had worries, a sip haven't, haven't even had a sip of water so uh, i don't know how you're <laughs> surviving here but um anyways what's what you talked about continuing on moving forward continuing to go up what do you have as a, as a goal now i mean i don't know if that's something you can publicize <laughs> knowing that you just got to where you are but um, you know, generally, like, like we said, you're, you're at the top of your game. Where can you go next? Where do you want to go next? A lot on the go right now, which is, which is great. Like, again, I look back and I haven't been there a year yet. And we still got sports center, which is, you know, my main gig, uh, right now, not so much cause there's not many sports going on. Uh, but, um, the new and exciting thing I got going on right now is there's a new app called Quibi. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it or not, but it's a new streaming service, um, the idea behind it's quick bites. So they got a whole bunch of Hollywood content that is 10 minutes or less each episode, 10 minutes or less. So, you know, you could do a season, let's say a season's 10 episodes, like, you know, hundred minutes. Right. Uh, so it's exciting. And, and at a time where people need content. And so part of that website, uh, not the website, part of the app, uh, is a, a site called daily essentials. And we have a show called replay on there. Um, and so we'll be giving you five to seven minutes, you know, your top stories of the day, uh, some fun stuff, a little entertainment. Um, so it's, it's a different look at sports. You're still going to get the things you need to know, um, you know, the next day when you want to have those conversations with people at work and with your friends and, and you kind of will be up to date on sports, but we're also going to have a bit of a different look at it because, you know, the time restraints we have and, and, you know, the, our audience. Um, so I'm excited about that. That's a full go. That that's the next thing for me right now. Um, and then see, we'll see what happens, right? Like, like I said, it's been, a, it's been a great year so far. It's, gone by so fast um but who knows who knows like we talked about right you never know what the opportunities that come up 
but right now it's just try to do as much as I can at ESPN. And, and right now again with this Quibi project, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we'll see, uh, see what happens there. Well, I have to say, uh, you know, like, like you said, there's, there weren't a lot of brown dudes and, and, and ladies, uh, or as smileys specifically on TV when we first started pursuing this. And there are a lot more now and we know a lot of them, right? The circles are, are, are tight here in our community, but, uh, I, I do have to say that uh, every time I see you on on TV or or on Instagram, you know, proud of what you're doing. Um, I'm proud of of you, and and it's really awesome to see that you you've really been able to make your dreams come true, and uh, certainly an inspiration to to myself and, and others. So so congrats on everything, and it it was really nice to catch up here more than anything. Yeah, it's been a uh, long time. Yeah, exactly. And then we got a podcast out of it, so so that's good too. But I appreciate you spending some time with us. Yeah, no worries. The next time I come to Vancouver, let's uh, do another podcast together and sit down together, which would be a lot nicer, yeah. right? We can kind of sh- shoot the breeze that way. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. All right, another big thank you to Nabil Karim for for joining us on our first episode as our first guest of Unanchored. Zama, a fitting way to kick this this podcast off, I think. Oh, it was it was a conversation that was a long time coming and overdue. Uh, for the three of us to reconnect, it's been a long time. Yeah, and, and I hope everyone listening got a sense of, you know, how how great of a guy Nabil is. You know, he's been a good friend to to the both of us uh, and and many others for a long time. And um, but also what he what he's gone through and and how he made his decisions to get where he is. And the sky's the limit for him. He you know he's reached the the pinnacle of the sporting world, quote unquote, uh, at ESPN. But certainly uh, still a long way to go. And, and I'm sure we're going to see even even greater things from Nabil. So I can't wait to to keep an eye on him and, and see see what what's in store for him. We'll be watching and and hopefully uh, we'll be getting a chance to see him on hopefully NBA broadcasts or whenever uh, sports get back on. Right. Exactly. Once uh, this whole COVID-19 thing thing, uh, blows over, which could be a while from now, but hopefully sooner, sooner rather than later. All right. Well, we wanted to thank you, uh, the listener, um, who are probably on episode one, mostly our family and friends uh, for, for listening. <laughs> and, and hopefully you got through the, the, the hour plus of Nabil Karim. Um, you know, we're anticipating our, our episodes will be about an hour in length moving forward. But uh, appreciate you listening. And if you haven't uh, followed us already, go to Instagram and follow uh, Unanchored Podcast and go to Twitter, follow Unanchored Pod, wherever you, you prefer. And you can uh, always catch all episodes on unanchoredpodcast.ca uh, and uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, wherever you're listening right now. But please share with family and friends if, if you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.